The following podcast is a Dear Media production. Welcome back to another episode of Trading Secrets, where today we talk career and life navigation, both theory and impact with none other than the WWE superstar, Hall of Famer, and recipient of the Warrior Award, Titus O'Neil. I'm sitting across from Titus right now. He's about four times my size, and I'm a little hungover because there were rain delays at WrestleMania last night. So uh, this is awesome. Titus, I know it's a busy weekend for you, so thank you for being here. No, thank you for having me on. Yeah, I mean, so last time I saw you, actually, I don't know if you remember this, we were playing the Celebrity Sweat Celebrity game. Sweat. We had the lead. We were up like 40 points against T-Mac, Doug Flutie. Everything was good. And then the 24-7 belt, if you remember that, yeah. he won it. Yeah. Then he dropped it, ended up with a bloody nose, yeah. and everything went to shit. Yeah, yeah. It was a, it was a tale of two halves, exactly. for sure. And uh, I think it was partly on, I'll, I'll take part of the blame, because I, I didn't have anybody blitzing uh, Tracy, This the whole you know, in the second half, and that's how they ended up coming back. It was under no pressure at all. You know what? You're right about that. I'm born and raised in Buffalo. Of yeah. course, we got Doug Flutie's from Buffalo. Andre Reed's from Buffalo. It is the most standard Buffalo thing ever yeah. to be up by 40 points and let yeah, that they, all they, go. They, oh, yeah, that is, that's, that's about right. <laughs> I love it. Well, let's get into kind of the weeds of trading secrets. We're so excited to have you on your perspective. Everything you've done, uh, I think your story is amazing, right? One of the companies that I own is called Restart. It's about navigating your life, given the chance challenges that happen. And, you know, when I say the name Titus O'Neil, uh, to me, words like strong, successful, impactful. Uh, I even heard some of the people backstage say mayor, obviously now champ and hall of famer. But those are probably, and tell me if I'm wrong, but from research I've done, those are describing words that as a child, if people were to say those about you now, you'd be like, that would be a dream to live up to that. So I'm curious, given your childhood, what do you think was the catalyst for change for you that put you in the position you are now um, having people say things like that about not only your professional life, but your personal life? Yeah. So I, I tell people all the time, you know, um, and I, I'm not going to take for granted that your audience knows anything about me. So yeah. uh, with that, I'll just a, a snippet of my backstory. I'm the product of a sexual assault. Mm -hmm. uh, my mother was raped at 11 years old. Yeah. Uh uh, and had me at a very young age, obviously, against the wishes of many. And, um, you know, we grew up in poverty, kind of bouncing from place to place. And I was labeled a kid that would be dead or in jail by the time I was 16. Wow. I was headed that direction. I got into fights a lot, got bullied a lot because I used to wear thick glasses, glasses and, uh, and uh, you know, get into a fight and break them. And because we didn't have much money, yeah. my mom would tell me to tape them up. Then I get picked on even more because I had taped up glasses. Hot water pants, you know, flappy shoes, it, the, the list went on and on. I got a chance to go to a place called the Florida Shares Boys Ranch up in Live Oak, Florida. Okay. And uh, it was there that I almost got kicked off again. Actually, the decision was made that I was going to get kicked off because I had signed a contract that I wouldn't get into a fight. Okay. And 30 minutes later, I got into a, another fight. Wow. And so they had a meeting and the meeting convened and the decision was made that I would be sent home. And Mr. Patrick Minogue, who was the regional director, called me in the office and he said, you know, why do you think you get into trouble all the time? Sure. And I said, you know, I don't know, man. I'm just a bad kid. And he said, there's no such thing as a bad kid. Oh. And I said, how can you say that? Yeah. You know, I'm getting ready to get 
kicked off the boys ranch you know i've been told i'd be dead or in jail by the time i was 16. me and my mom didn't have a good relationship at all so i didn't know what i was going back home to anyway and he said well i'm not going to give you the answer to that because i truly believe that you're going to turn things around and you're going to come up with an answer for yourself so in the meantime i'm going to tell you something and i want you to believe it mm -hmm. i love you and i believe in you and a lot of people had told me that they love me but then turn around and abuse me, beat me, curse me, et cetera. But nobody had ever told me that they believed that I can do anything. It was the complete opposite. I'll be dead or in jail by the time I was 16. I'll never graduate from high school, never go to college, too dumb, too stupid, too uncoordinated to play sports. The list went on and on. Yeah. And I had to take that moment to realize that here's a guy that's willing to piss everybody off that works for him to make a decision to keep me there because he believes that I'm going to turn it around. And... Fortunately, it worked out. You know, I went from being an underperforming student to being an honor roll student. Went from being a kid that was too, quote unquote, uncoordinated to play sports to being the number one recruit in the country and an all-American football player. I'm the first person in my family to graduate from high school. I'm the first person in my family to graduate from college uh, at the University of Florida, the greatest university in the world. There you go. Um, you know, I have numerous academic and athletic honors. Mm -hmm. But the greatest thing for me has not been, you know, necessarily the success in all of it, but the significance sure. that I've made along those ways. And that's yeah. what turned my life around was that I realized at that moment that I need to start not only believing in myself, yeah. but not just start to strive to be, you know, successful. You mm -hmm. know, anybody can be successful sure. in anything sure. um, if they really put their mind to it. But I wanted to live a life of excellence. And that life of excellence would give me the opportunity to live a life of significance. So now wow. when you're hearing people say things like, you know, that guy's awesome, he's he's strong, he's a great community leader, he's yeah. the mayor, he's this, that, blah, blah, blah. It's because I've been significant. Yeah. Not because I've been successful. We got tons of successful people that live here. Yeah. Wow. It's a fascinating story. Thank you for sharing that with us. And I think the thing that my takeaway is how quickly you turn the corner, right? So you go from saying you're going to end up dead and broke or in jail to an All-American. I mean, 1985, All-American. Mm -hmm. That's a huge change at a young age. Right. And so was it that conversation from him when someone just said they believed in you? or like? And then the thought process for you obviously had to take a huge turn. How do you, people out there right now are lost professionally, personally, and they all mm -hmm. have their own customized stories. What was like the process of actually executing everything, like probably your your workout routine, your nutrition, everything to become, you know, the All-American and, and move your life in that direction in such a short, young period of time? Well, I always, I, I can't say that I did it by myself, you yeah. know. it was, what, what I did do by myself was uh, be more open to yeah. the people that were around me okay. that were trying, saying they were trying to help me. And actually believed that they were trying to help me yeah. because I've been, you know, told one thing by one person and then there was so much inconsistency as a kid. Yeah. You know, you got a one minute, you got a teacher saying, oh, I care so much about you. And then that teacher's no longer at the school. And yeah. then you got another one coming in telling the same thing. And they're not at the school because it's an underserved school sure. and a lot of issues, a lot of trauma. And they want to go somewhere else. Yeah. And I, I think that all of us in life, we, no matter if you come from an affluent background or you come from a, a background of uh, stricken with poverty, yeah, I think that all of us have some this innate ability in within us to overcome. One hundred percent. And 
it always is about who or what is placed around you yeah. at specific times. Right. Because I've met people that have come from affluent backgrounds, uh, very wealthy, and they, they they struggle with, you know, so mom was a doctor, dad was a doctor, mm-hmm. everybody's kind of pushing them to go be a doctor, and that's right. not really what they want to do. They want sure. they actually want to teach school. Sure. And then they say that to their family, and they're like, well, how dare you think you're going to teach school? Yeah. You don't, you're not going to make any money doing that and yeah. this and that. So now they're trying to deal with that pressure of that and not follow the passion that they really have to yeah. impact the li- impact lives and impact this world the way that they want to. Yeah. And for me, I got to the point at 12 years old that like I've always been a rebellious person in spirit. Okay. I just learned how to do it in a way in which it was positive. It would get promote a positive outcome for me. Yeah. Uh, so when I speak out about things, it was because it was the right thing to do Got and it. not because I was angry. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And I think for like what's so important these days is peeling the onion back a little bit. People see things and then they instantly make an assumption without knowing anything, right? Yeah. Like the background of it or the story of Titus O'Neil. We know Titus O'Neil is a superstar. Mm-hmm. We don't know all those challenges that you overcame and how many people uh, didn't have the, uh, like the, maybe the strength or the surrounding people to get out of those challenges and where are they? And most and, of the times too, uh, a lot of people, um, we'll ask the question, well, you know, what's wrong with you? Sure. You know, hey, what's wrong with you? You okay? Yeah. yeah. Hey, what's wrong with you? We okay? But nobody, very few times people ask, what happened to you? Interesting. Because what happened to you is really the the, the, the focal point of yeah. what what's wrong with you. Right. And right. if you don't know what happened, uh-huh. you know, you don't know how to deal with what's wrong. Yeah. That's yeah. fat. That's fat. Those yeah. are questions that can change the whole direction of a mm-hmm. conversation. Another one I, I learned from this FBI negotiator uh, is people always will ask why, like why are you doing that? Mm-hmm. Why? But as kids, we're always taught, or we're always like people of hierarchy are asking us why. So when you say the words why, it's instant defense, right? right? So you're not going to actually get a thoughtful, constructive Mm -hmm. response when you say why or what's wrong with you. Um, One thing I want your take on is I know you have helped about 400 kids, maybe it's even over 400 now. So, okay. So that was the last article. So that is (laughs) way outdated. So how many kids have you helped get to, oh, I'm sorry, from a college perspective. Yeah, just college. So how many people have helped to get to college? I've seen over $30 million in scholarship Mm -hmm. money raised. I'm curious. You went to University of Florida. I actually saw the clip of you sacking Peyton Manning, which is pretty badass. But what's your overall take on just college? And then from a financial perspective, we see there's $1.7 trillion of student debt right now. Um, And obviously you're doing active things to uh, help people get get to school and get out of school without that debt. What's just your overall take on on going to school, the process and things you've done around that? Yeah. So uh, it's not just the the kids that I've sent to college, because I've sent tons more to trade schools. Okay. You know, I, I would, you know, I will say loudly and proudly, college is not for everybody. Yeah. You know, um, and especially now, trades are actually paying much more than a college sure. graduate in, in most cases anyway, especially when it comes to tech and even construction. Yeah. You can come out making seventy-five, eighty thousand $80,000 after six months. Too. Yeah, yeah, yeah electricians, too, yeah. plumbers. Yep. Um, you can make great money, you know, and not and, and be in school for what six months, yep. eight months, yep. uh, instead of and you have zero debt yep. when you get done. Yeah, 
Um, I've had stu- I've had students that went to school with me at the University of Florida. Okay, that some of them were pretty much lifetime students, yeah. you know, because they couldn't figure out what they wanted to do. Sure. sure. Then I have some that were. They came from affluent backgrounds. They went to school. They were honor roll students. You know, they they got a PhD, and they still can't get a job because they're horrible people. Yeah, you know, yeah. they can't they can't work in a group with others. It's always somebody else's fault. Yeah, uh, you know, it's got to be their way or the highway, and you know, they're unemployed because yeah. because of that with a PhD. Crazy. So education to me is not just about going to college. Yeah. You know, like you say, uh, some people don't have the means to go to college. Sure, uh, the kids that I've helped to go to college, they definitely would not have been able to afford to go uh, had it not been for for our efforts, but also for their athletic efforts. Yeah, that's amazing that you guys are doing that and you're exactly right. Like it's not a cookie cutter. I think that's probably one of the biggest problems in like this system is we think there's this blueprint, like yeah, there's go this cookie to, cutter go, model. Yeah, yeah, go to school, get good grades, right. go to college, get a good job, live in a nice fancy house. It's right. not the case. It's not the case. And I think those people that break it like yourself mm-hmm. are the people that actually find ultimate success and then can make the impact. But let's talk about you because you talked about people kind of getting paralyzed in their process, right? PhD, where do you go? What's next? For you, when you graduated, right? So you go to a great school, mm-hmm. you're, you, you've, come, you've made huge changes to be where you are. Uh, what was your vision? You go to play arena football and obviously inevitably end up where you are now. But what was your vision like when you left school and how did you approach that vision? Because most people leaving school right now, especially given the pandemic and where people are at, they don't know what the hell to do. So what, what did it look like for you? Yeah, so I, I went actually went to Jacksonville for a brief short, uh, stint, uh, tore my ACL there, was going to leave football altogether, and uh, was going to go into coaching. Okay. And then chance meeting with a guy on a plane uh, that owned an arena football team okay. and uh, asked me would I be interested in, you know, making good money and working six months of the year and this and that. Sure. And uh, – I said, yeah, I'll give it a shot. Mm-hmm. And so I ended up playing arena football for six, six and a half years. And I was getting ready to go into coaching again Okay. at Florida. I was getting ready to head up there to coach as an assistant coach. And uh, I was driving one day in South Tampa. Mm-hmm. And uh, Dave Batista is one of my best friends mm. for years. And uh, he had always, he's a former WWE superstar and now a movie star. And he would always, you know, say, hey, man, I think you'd be good at doing this. And I said, uh, yeah, I'm not doing that shit. You know? <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I was driving one day in South Tampa to pick up a pair of dress shoes. And he had told me where they, they train and, and uh, rehab at this place called FCW, gotcha. Florida Championship Wrestling, okay. which is now our development system of NXT. Okay. And uh, so I'm driving. I went to go pick up my shoes. I wanted to go and get some jerk chicken yep. from a place called the Jerk Hut, which is literally around the corner. Okay. I had never really paid attention to the black building that he said to go to on Del Mabry. So I saw it as I was driving down and I said, hey, man, is this the building that you were trying to get me to come to? And he said, yeah. And I said, uh, I think I'm going to poke my head in the back door and see what it's about. And he said, yeah, I just asked for Steve Kern or Dusty Rose. Um, I, so I went in and uh, two weeks later, after I walked in that back door, I was signed and learning how to become a WWE superstar. <laughs> that is a wild, yeah, wild yeah, transition. Yeah, zero, zero plans. But the transition part of it, the mindset behind that, I mean, my, I have young kids. Oh, yeah. at that time, they were young, two and four. They're 14 and 16 now. 
you know, you're thinking about, all right, what's going to be best for me? I, if I go to Florida, I know I'm going to make good, money, great money. Yeah. But do I want to take my kids out there? And I just got divorced, so it's like, how is that going to work? And for me, fatherhood was always going to be at the number one, you know, thing for me because I never grew up with a father, and so that was probably the hardest, you know, thought process with the coaching because I really did want to coach. Yeah. But then when this opportunity came up, I can stay in Tampa, I can be, I can raise my kids, and. Give it a shot. I'm 32 years old at that time, about to be 33, right before my 33rd birthday, which coincidentally is the same age that Dave Batista started his wrestling career. Wow. So, you know, it's been a, 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 a great journey. This, yeah. is a, this is the hardest thing that I've ever had to do in my life. Wrestling. Wrestling. Really? And yes, so- because there's no off-season. Okay. We, we, work, we work 52 weeks a year. And, you know, in football, you have an off-season, mm-hmm. you have a home schedule and an away, away schedule. Yeah. You know, I can be in Green Bay, Wisconsin one night, Yep. Madison, Wisconsin the next night, yep. and then San Juan, Puerto Rico the next night, and then have to get back to Denver, Colorado for a live event, live TV. That's physically and mentally exhausting. Would yeah. you say that, so it sounds like you made that decision, not only for career opportunities, but also personal opportunities. So do you think those things, those three factors in everyone's decision-making should take precedence, personal reasons, career reasons, and then financial reasons? Like looking yeah, at the full yeah, scope? I, I definitely think uh, no decision should be led with financial. Yeah. Because you could get a, a very good financial opportunity that's very good financially, and then yep. you get there and you're miserable. Yep, exactly. You know, you definitely need to follow something that you feel wholeheartedly that you can sink your teeth into and be passionate about and and help grow. Like, I'm, yeah. I've always been a part of winning teams. Yeah. So I always want to be a good teammate, and I want to be around things that are like, like, like I like the underdogs or yeah. I like being able to know that I helped build something. That's pretty cool. Yeah. And so from 2009 to 2021, you build this incredible career with WWE, you know, but hundreds, maybe thousands of people have tried to do the same thing. Mm-hmm. What do you think in your preparation, your process, your mindset really set you apart from all of these others that are trying like, and you fell into it. I mean, like, you're just like, yeah, I'll give this a shot. Some of these people, like their whole life's dream of this, like what separates you that you're now the hall of fame or you're, you know, you're winning the, the, the recipient of the warrior award and you're doing all the stuff you're doing. What do you think it is? I just feel like, you know, it's just part of God's plan on my story, hmm. you know? Yeah. And I know, you know, some people may not believe in God. You know, some people may not be Christian or like they can be Christian, Catholic, whatever God you believe in. Sure. You know, to me, Muslim, whatever God you serve, like your faith should help you understand why you're where you're at mm-hmm. and why you're not where you want to be. And for me, I always knew that, like, well, I always knew that I was supposed to be somebody just because of my story. Yeah. Like I wasn't even supposed to be here. You know, yeah. I was supposed to. You know, my mom was, I'm conceived from a rape. Yeah. So God had a plan on my life from the beginning. Mm -hmm. And then I have small inklings of revelations from other people along the way. You know, Mr. Minogue at the Boys Ranch, a homeless guy who told me that God's going to use me in mighty ways. I was like, yeah, man, I, I... he told me what, what, right after football practice in high school one day, I was like, man, yeah, man, I'm, I want to make it to the NFL, make a lot of money, and be able to help a lot of people. And he uh-huh. said, no, this has nothing to do with the NFL or any wow. other sport. It's God's going to use you. Wow. And so just 
small, you know, instances where I've seen God use me. Mm-hmm. And then it's like for a minute I kind of ran from it. I was mm-hmm. like, you know, I know I'm not a preacher. I know I'm not a pastor. Yeah. But I know that God is using me. Yeah. And he's using me because, like, I don't care what your your sexual orientation is. Sure. I don't care what your political affiliation is. I don't care, you know, what if you're a Christian or Muslim or you don't mm-hmm. celebrate anything at all. Yeah. I care about people being good human beings and I care about having the opportunity to help good human beings be better human beings. Yeah. And that's only and I can do that because so many people from all walks of life poured into the Boys and Girls Club mm-hmm. that I was a member of. Yeah. And the boys ranch that I attended. Some of them I'll never meet. Some of them I will never be able to some of them I, I, I don't even I don't even know who they are. Yeah. But they all, at some point, had a heart of dignity, mm-hmm. and they wanted to do something to help change the path of somebody. Yeah. And so my way of repaying those people is to have that same mindset. Mm-hmm. I don't care what color somebody is or yeah. what what background they come from. I'm here to bless the world because I'm blessed because of it. Right. And I think that, I think there's so much to take away from that because I think we live in this world where we feel like we need uh, to hear from those that have all the credentials or that have mm-hmm. achieved all the success. But to your point, it's not about what it looks like on paper. It's yeah. like really what's within. And mm-hmm. one of the things that resonated with me that you just said is it was a homeless guy yeah. that gave you something that still to this day yeah. resonates and is like in your brain. And I did some research and saw that that's one thing you would regularly do. Mm-hmm. You would take homeless people out to nice restaurants or take them to give them an opportunity. I'm sure their story, while different than yours, probably resonates with challenges and they didn't overcome them. From those dinners that you had with those individuals, from people listening right now that are like, you know, they passed a homeless person, they're probably looking down on it and walking right past them and going past their life. What was like your biggest takeaway from the stories they have to where they are now and like potential solutions? Because there's over, there's over a half million homeless people in America. So one of the main reasons why that gentlemen and and it's uh you know it's always will be at the top of my list Uh is because you know weeks after he told me that you know i i i'm 13 years old at the time i'm like hey man uh you mind if i ask you a question you know and he's like yeah and i was like how did you end up in this situation and he said well if i told you that i used to run a fortune 500 company and had a beautiful house and beautiful kids and a beautiful wife and I could drive places, we took trips and everything. Would you believe it? And I said, well, I mean, if that's what you tell me, you know, that's what I gotta believe. Sure. He said, that's exactly what my life used to be. He said, drugs, alcohol, and gambling took me away from my family. And so, you know, I, I say all the time, we're all one situation away from being in a worse situation. Mm-hmm. And it is not always the doing of ourselves. It's sometimes the undoing of others that causes a separation in between your passion and purpose yeah. and where you, you know, end up residing at, at the moment, you mm-hmm. know? And so most homeless people that I've sat down with and talked to, like I've, you know, the, the couple that I helped in San Diego, they, they've been married now for like 15 years. Okay. They've been homeless for 14 of them. Wow. 
So it's like, you know, you see homeless, then it's a really a community, you know, yeah. they take care of each other. There are definitely a lot of mental health issues that reside in the community, uh -huh. but there are a lot of mental health issues that reside in the community of the military too. Sure. You know, people suffering from PTSD, yeah. you know, and there's this thing called compassion fatigue that a lot of people that are in business or education yeah. suffer from and they don't really realize they're suffering from it because yeah. you're, especially those that are teachers because yeah. they're dealing with trauma after trauma after trauma. Yeah. And that gets wearing. And then especially yeah. if you have a family of your own, mm -hmm. you got to take that baggage home every single day, even when you don't want to. Yeah. And so we all have to understand that, like, for us to get where we need to get as individuals, uh -huh. we need to look around our surroundings sometimes or look with outside of our own situation and yeah. realize how blessed we are. Yeah. You know, because even if a homeless person can stay married. That's incredible. You know, for for four, 15 years and have a dog <laughs> and I see a flame. I mean, I, I mean, I look back on it like I'm a divorce. I'm divorced. Sure. Sure. You know, and I'm like, but to me, the divorce was the best thing that could have ever happened to me mm -hmm. because I don't think I would have been where I'm at today. If I would have, sometimes you can be very unequally yoked with a partner. Right. Right. And, uh, you know, as much as I, I'm an advocate for marriage, I'm not an advocate for being married just for the sake of saying you're just married. You know what I'm saying? Of course. Yeah, yeah of course. Um, Especially when But there are some like, people out there that, like you say, with education, you know, yeah. I got to go to college. I got to yeah. do this. There's some women that think, you know, I got to have a baby before I'm 35. Sure. I got to have, you know, I got to get married and I got to be established mm -hmm. and this and that. You don't. Right. Exactly. You really don't. Don't. You need to do, you need to be, you need to do and be what's up, whatever God has in your path and purpose to be. And if you do, if I always say obedience is greater than sacrifice. That's good. So if you're obedient to whatever God is telling you to do and you're obedient to what your heart's telling you to move and, and be a part of and this and that, yeah, you're going to sacrifice some stuff. Mm -hmm. You know, you, yeah. it's going to be some nights you can't hang out with your friends. Sure. It's going to be some nights that you you wish you can go out to dinner, but you, you're trying to save that money out because you want to buy a house or you want to own a home or you yeah. want to need to buy a car. Those sacrifices are are minimal when you realize the, the rewards of obedience. Right. I mean, that's a powerful line. And I mm -hmm. think uh, a lot to what you're saying is this system that kind of puts us, uh, these societal pressures create this expectation that we should be living up to. But then if you look at every indicator, uh, like from a number perspective that drives success, it's a, you look at like you talked about divorce, but like the divorce rate is as high as it's ever been. Consumer debts is as high as it's ever been. Unhappiness rates are mental health issues. So if there's this like mantra that we should be living by because others are instilling that that's the way to do it, even though it goes against some of the things that we want to do, our obedience and sacrifice, why do we continue to do it? Does that lead into the like the thought process? I've seen you say that what I do for a living is not what I am for a living. Is that some of the meaning behind that quote yeah. that you live? But. Yeah, because sometimes, you know, you even though you can enjoy whatever you're doing, we all going to get fired at some point. Yeah, we're all free you agents, know? right? Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> yeah. And either we're firing ourselves because we decided to move on to something else, uh -huh. or somebody comes in and says, hey, you know, your services are no longer needed. Sure. If you have engulfed yourself in every aspect of who you are as an individual in your job, yeah, you will completely lose who you are for a living. And... 
sometimes people go and they get these titles or CEO mm -hmm. or CFO or, and they get consumed with that power and being able to call shots and this and that and this and that and then completely lose who they really are at the core. Yep. And I'll, I, I will never be, like I never have really considered myself as a celebrity. Yeah. Just because I always remember practice of my autograph in school, <laughs> hoping to be famous yeah. one day, you know. <laughs> and now that I finally am, yeah. it's, it's 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 a little aggravating sometimes, yeah, you know what I mean? Like, hey, can anymore. we take a picture? <laughs> yeah, sure, it's only 3.30 in the morning, yeah, but I'll do like, it. I yeah, yeah, I can't, yeah, yeah, I just got off a plane, it's, you know, it's cool. Yeah, it's uh, Hey, can we take a picture? Oh, yeah, I'm just sitting here trying to have family uh, dinner with my sons, yeah. but... Yeah, you, I'll let you. I'll be more than happy to let you interrupt me and, and this this little bit of time I have with them to do that. Yeah, I mean, I think that perspective is just so refreshing and one people just need to hear more of. One thing I got to ask you, go like from your background in college and then being in the WWE. One of the biggest issues a lot of people at all ages, all demographics struggle with is the idea of like negotiation, right? Just like how do I negotiate for my best interest, whether it's work, it's just what's next in life. From your standpoint, what have you done behind the scenes to leverage your mindset, your philosophy, and your skill set to be able to negotiate for yourself to get where you are today? Personally, I mean, this is the honest to God truth. I just I've been the same dude the entire time. Yeah, it's just different. Different years have exposed different aspects of me. That's that's why you know yeah. some people they get into a job and they feel like they gotta you know, talk trash about this person to make sure that they look better than this person. It's like, I'll, you know, it's a saying that says cream always rises to the top. Uh -huh. yeah. You know, I, I, I have zero enemies in the locker room. I have oh. zero enemies within this company because I've always been the same dude. Mm -hmm. And there have been some people that have literally pissed me off <laughs> and I'll let them know, you know, I'll let them know and we talk like men or women and I explain, you know, my side, I listen to their side, and then we, we come to an understanding and we move on. And people can respect you when you stand up for yourself and this and that, because I'm alone as a nice guy and this and that. Yeah. But I'm, I'm very, very strong in my convictions. Nothing I've ever done in life has ever made me who I am. Yeah. It's only celebrated who I am. I like that. So we just have about 10 minutes left here um, with Titus O'Neill. But yesterday I'm preparing for the interview. I was asking some people backstage, your colleagues, like how would they describe you? And the one thing that I heard more than often is the mayor. He's just, he's literally the mayor of the backstage. Do you think part of that is attributed to the way you communicate? Like you just said, like you, because oh, it's not easy for a masculine, how six foot six, 300, however tall, I'm sure those stats are wrong, but uh, this massive guy to just like talk about your feelings. Do you think that's what like people attribute you to being like the mayor of the backstage for? Yeah, I, I think that, and I mean, I legitimately know I know a lot of people. Yeah. Like just, not just in the city of Tampa, but literally worldwide, a lot of people. And, you know, it's 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 just, we go to different places and I'm like introducing talent. To, hey, this is such and such from the from the Rams. Or, from uh -huh. the, or we go to Australia and I'm setting up a visit with, you know, uh, Terry Irwin and Bendy Irwin so that we can have <laughs> a private cool. tour to go to the, to the Australia Zoo because I'm friends with Terry and Bendy and the family. Uh -huh. 
And they're like, how the hell you know people in Australia? We yeah. go to South Africa and I'm, my fraternity brother that lives over there. You know, it's just like, yeah. and I feel like it's the relationships have always been important to me. Mm-hmm. And I've always cherished every single relationship. And I think a lot of times people take that for granted. You know, even when you don't work with somebody anymore, it doesn't mean that they're, they're no longer of a value, uh, and the friendship's no longer of a value to you. Yeah. Even though you don't go to school with somebody anymore, it doesn't mean that, you know, that you guys still can't be friends far beyond that. Yeah. Life does change for everybody. Some people have kids, they get families, they yeah. have less time to do X, Y, and Z, their careers take them different places. Sure. But at the end of the day, relationships should always matter. Yep. You know, because to me, love seeks to give the advantage, not take the advantage. Yeah. And so when you have that mindset, it's like, I'm going to give this person the advantage, then it becomes a competition of, oh, well, you know, that person did this for me, but I'm going to do one better. I'm going to, you know, they, oh, they surprised me on my birthday with this, but I'm going to do one better, you know? Yeah. 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 And it's like, if you have a genuine, real friendship, it's, it's, it's it's easy for somebody to pick up the phone and say, hey, man, I know we haven't spoken in a long time, but yep. I was wondering if I can run something by you, yep. as opposed to the guy that you don't really have a relationship with, and then all of a sudden WrestleMania comes, he's like, hey, man, I know we ain't talked sure. in a while. Yeah. Congrats on all your success. You know, I was wondering if me, you can, you know, get me and my son two tickets. Yeah, that's just so empty. Yeah, yeah where's and the... I'm like, that's not part of your <laughs> ecosystem. Like you yeah. think about like what's in your ecosystem, you've done it well and you've done it right. Cause two things that are sticking with me in your whole story are one, even though you're not an arena football player anymore, the guy that you literally just met on a plane obviously gave some type of energy to him that he wanted you to get going. Who knows if that sparked the catalyst to you being here today. And then also your buddies who were like, Hey, just go give that a shot. Like relationships are something I think no matter where you come from, whether it's, it's the, as you're in a poverty driven community or you're in an affluent area, uh, it's one thing that you don't have to be taught through textbooks. And there's so much uh, to that. And this has been uh, absolutely, incredible Titus. The way we're going to wrap up, if it's all right with you, is we do a segment where we crack open the vault. So I have a couple rapid fire questions. So that'll just take a minute or two. And then we get a trading secret from you because that's the name of the podcast. So one trading secret from either WWE, your career or something that you could give to someone that they couldn't get anywhere else. But before we do that, we give one fan of the podcast an opportunity to ask a question. So I'm going to see if Pat Okudo is here and we can get a question. Pat, how are you? We are live on Trading Secrets with Titus O'Neill. This is the part of the segment where we give a fan of the show an opportunity to ask a question. Do you have a minute to ask a quick question to Titus? Yes, sir. All right. Come on in. You are now on the mic. All right. Thanks. Hey, Titus. This is Patrick. I'm a huge WWE fan and a huge fan of everything you do inside and especially outside of the ring. Um, I wanted to ask about one of the hottest new trends right now in finance and collectibles are NFTs. I saw over the weekend that WWE launched a one of a kind undertaker themed NFT to coincide with WrestleMania this weekend. What I wanted to ask is if WWE releases a Titus O'Neil themed NFT in the future, how does all that work from like a licensing and, and royalties perspective? Because you know, it's, it's you, but it's WWE releasing the content and, you know, you're an independent contractor and all that. So just kind of curious how all that works and follow up question. 
would an NFT of Titus O'Neil tripping at the greatest Royal Rumble <laughs> be the highest selling NFT of all time? It, it could. Uh, so to answer your first question, uh, it is WWE's intellectual property and every WWE superstar that, uh, that signs, you know, on uh, understands that they that uh, that they that they are part of an intellectual property. Uh, at the same token, we do get paid royalties uh, off of everything that we do, uh, merchandise. I'm sure NFTs would be no different. And I do think if uh, if they did do a, a greatest Royal Rumble uh, slide. It would definitely be up there with the highest uh, highest grossing NFTs <laughs> in WWE history. I love that. That's a, a Pat. Really appreciate the question. The funny thing too is I saw Mandy Rose took a fall yesterday. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. We did a little video last night. <laughs> That's odd. Maybe yeah. you put those two together. Package deal. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Man, Mandy sliding backwards, me sliding forward. <laughs> I love it. Well, Pat, thanks for your question. All the best and. Uh, Tune in because when we release this, I'll let you know. All right. All right. Thanks. Awesome. Appreciate that. Um, Good stuff. Good thoughtful on the business side. That's good stuff. All right. So we got just a few minutes here. Let's crack open the vault with Titus O'Neil. Titus, these are uh, rapid fire questions that we'll ask you and answer them any which way you'd like. We'll start with number one, if you're ready. So how far in advance um, are you practicing for like any time that you have to be on TV for like a script to memorize the actual things you have to say? It varies. Sometimes mm-hmm. it's five hours and sometimes it's five minutes. Okay. I like it. So it just depends how quickly it clicks. All right. How many calories do you consume in a day? Uh, it That varies. It's usually anywhere from 1,800 to 3,100 calories a day. Okay. Gotcha. All right. So I was expecting more, but um, we see that your suits are just unbelievable. You got this huge freaking build. How much money do you think you spend a year on tailoring this this build of yours? Um, <laughs> I would say close to maybe maybe like 50,000. Wow, that's awesome. Yeah, but it, okay. it's my it's my business too. So, you know, you... It's in a return on... Yeah, work, I right? mean, you, you think if somebody's paying you to come speak, for a major corporation, yep. they're, gonna, they're paying you great money. So spending, you know, $3,500 or so on a suit is an investment in that that opportunity, you know? Uh, yep, that makes perfect sense. What is the most painful wrestling move to perform? Uh, the most painful wrestling move to perform would probably be, I don't know. Probably getting hit with a chair. (laughs) (laughs) I saw the people getting hit yesterday. I'm like, why is this chair not bent at all? All right, here's the last one we'll wrap up with. And we actually asked every uh, guest this. And it's just to get perspective from an investment standpoint, you know, where you see things moving and what you're interested in. But if someone gave you a million bucks right here, right now in cash, what would you do with it from an investment standpoint? Uh, Well, I would continue to uh, do what I've been doing, which is right now I'm, I'm highly involved in tech. Oh, amazing. And I uh, just actually built a, a, an LED volume here in Tampa. It's the oh, wow. uh, same uh, technology that they use for Mandalorian yeah. and uh, Star Wars, but my screen is actually twice the size of theirs. Damn. And uh, so we're building out that studio there, and it's part of a, a big push to put urban uh, innovation in an area okay. that's been downtrodden. And uh, I, I, I love investing in real estate, okay. so we just – Close out on a uh, tw- uh, 112 unit 
affordable housing complex. And then so out of those 112 units, the 70 70 of those uh, families are coming out of homelessness or were facing homelessness at some point. The rent is fixed. Uh, and they're beautiful homes. It's a place called Sable Place. And uh, so continuing to to do wherever I can in the technology space and the real estate space, especially right now when obviously everything is down in certain areas and everything is going up. And like Tampa's a very, very hot market. Uh, But you can get stuff up in New Jersey and New York right now for a lot cheaper than you used to be able to because people are just flocking out of there and these these folks are just trying to unload stuff. So... That's that's awesome. I love yeah. the forward thinking. I think the future's here. And one thing, everything you're doing is just making an impact, even with those business decisions, right? They're business decisions that are good for you, but also making an impact. Set an example to be a great human being was part of your warrior recipient speech. It's clearly who you are. In the recap, we're going to go over all the detail from a non-for-profit and charity impact you've made. I wanted to hear more from you because those are statistics I will find and we'll recap and share them with everyone. But before we let you go, one trading secret you can give someone that they can't find or Google anywhere that'll help anybody listening be maybe a better consumer, investor, employee, or just a person. Anything you just, you can't find it on Google and it's got to come from someone with a story like Titus O'Neill. What would your trading secret be today? Don't look just to be successful. Look for significance. If you're looking for to be significant, you'll be successful to 10 times over. If yeah. you're looking just to be successful, you might be a one-hit wonder. I love that. Wow. I'll tell you what. With all these theories and ideas on life, Titus, if you haven't written a book, you need to write a book. I actually have wrote a book. Oh, okay. Per- so this I have is a the book. perfect it's time. Uh, tell every person listening right now. They're like, holy shit, the, the philosophy and the thought. I need more, Titus. Where can they find your book? Where can they find they can everything? Find, find my book on Amazon. It is uh, called There's No Such Thing as a Bad Kid. Okay. And... Uh, you can buy the purchase that on Amazon. And then if you want to learn more about my f- foundation, it's BullardFamilyFoundation.org, B-U-L-L-A-R-D, FamilyFoundation.org. And uh, it will be there that you can kind of keep up with some of the stuff that we have going on. Amazing. And then on Instagram and social media, all Titus O'Neill? At, ti- at Titus at O'Neill, T-I-T-U-S-O-N-E-I-L-W-W-E. Good stuff. All right. Well, we're going to buy 10 of those books. And if you guys can give us a review on this podcast or any feedback you have, put your Instagram handle and we will give 10 of Titus's books out there. Titus, thank you so much for being with us. Your perspective on life is uh, one we can't always have come across of. And uh, we just really appreciate you opening up and instilling all this good energy on us. Thank you. Appreciate you having me on. Awesome. Thank you so much. Ding, ding, ding. We are ringing in the closing bell on the Titus O'Neill episode. What an absolute legend. And I think with Thanksgiving Day last week and just, you know, really putting things in perspective, being with family and friends, I feel as though this was the perfect episode. Now, did we get into business stuff? Of course we did. But was there more life lessons here than business lessons? I think so. And I think about a guy like Titus, who is so thankful for every day. I mean, the guy thought he would be in jail or dead by 16. And For me, one of my biggest takeaways from this episode was perspective. Like it gave me a whole different perspective on the way we live and what we live for and what we're doing and how we're doing it. So Titus, thank you for opening up. But as per usual, what do we got? We got the one and only, the curious Canadian, open, honest, isn't afraid to ask that dumb question and is here to also give 
us his insight. David Arwin, welcome to the house, baby. Thanks for having me. Thanks for having me. Before I give my insight, I got to give my reaction. Uh, you gave a nice little intro, teed him up there, and then he started talking. The guy has yeah. the deepest voice I've ever heard, and <laughs> I know that he's like a 6'5", six, 6'4", six, monster. I was like, oh, he's going to eat Jason. Like He's just going to consume him. And then, by the, <laughs> and then by the end of the episode, I'm like, this guy's Barry White. This Wait, guy no. <laughs> could sit there, and he could sing a lullaby to me, and I would just be like the happiest, most comforted person ever. So don't judge a book by its cover, because I, I was like terrified of him, and then I was like yeah. crying well, two well, minutes in the episode. I, I think he needs to be like a hardo when he needs to be a hardo, right? Like he was WWE champion. He'll take down anybody. But like at the core of who he is as a person is I wouldn't say like even light. I would just say like sensitive. Like he's in touch. He's in touch with everything. His emotions. Barry what? He's Barry White. Oh, Barry White. I thought you said he's light. Like he's like not hard. He's like light. Oh no, I was said by oh, the end of it. Oh, <laughs> That's I like that. Uh, yeah, I mean, dude, I'll tell you this. We sat, we were kind of like a small hotel room we sat right across from one another and it was amazing to me when I would just look at the mic in his hand versus the mic in my hand. Like to, it looked like literally I had like a mic and to him, it looked like it was like a little toothpick and I'm like, toy. Dude, this, little toy you, it's like four X me. But yeah, I mean, just an incredible episode. I, I found it wild that I was texting David as he was listening to this. I'm like, I think it's this perfect time for Thanksgiving. Mm-hmm. How do you think, what do you think of the episode? And he said two minutes in and I'm crying. Yeah, no legit. Like I had no idea of the backstory and, and I know that you've wanted to, kind of put the story out there for people. And like, like you said, absolutely perfect timing. So um, that's my reaction. Uh, that's my overview on it. So now I'm, it's time, it's question time for you. Uh, Fire relata- away. Relatable to um, this interview. And he had a book titled, there's no such thing as a bad kid. And I actually wrote that down in my notes right when he said it, because as a coach in hockey, I have that theory too. And I want to kind of turn the tables to kind of what you do for a profession in terms of finance and restart and ask you the question, if there's no such thing as a bad kid in the finance world, is there such thing as a bad investor? And (laughs) I know that you can lose money on a trade or an investment, but is that better than not doing it all? If you see what I'm saying? So, so answer that. Is there, is there such thing as being a bad investor or do, or do at some point, do we just not know better? Okay. First, when you asked me this, I just started laughing because I'm like, uh, yeah, there are some fucking awful investors. Um, but I want to say this. I think that if you're in the game and still not managing things correctly, maybe you're acting impulsively, you're not uh, putting rationale to the decisions you made, you aren't going through the analytics to really understand a company, you're not reading about them, right? You're not doing the things you should be doing as an investor. If you're not using having proper bankroll management, understanding your risk, all the things you got to do, I think you're still, I don't know, I honestly want to say you're still better off than someone who just won't step into it. Someone that won't learn, won't do anything, is sitting on cash, maybe not spending well, because at the end of the day, that is really how you will find success in almost anything you do is just completely fucking up. Fucking up, fucking up, failing, falling on your head, not being the best will hopefully, if you know, you're 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 smart and can and adjust, will get you to the point where you need to be. The biggest issue today is spending and then people just not having any desire or, or interest or, or doing anything for themselves to learn how to invest. But you know, I do think it's a it's a good question, especially when he said there's no such thing as a bad kid. As a uh, coach though, David, I'm going to go back to life because that was a little bit of a business question. Mm-hmm. 
you really like you're dealing with shitheads all day, 16 to 15, 18. You have good ones. You have bad ones. You really don't think there's such thing as a bad kid. No. Um, so before I did the coaching job in Rochester, um, as you know, I used to live with 12 kids every year in a house, in a big house. And we had a private training facility for hockey. And I used to live with and coach and mentor these kids. And every mm -hmm. year I used to have 12 new kids. And it would take about six to eight weeks to really just figure out each kid. Okay, who reacts to discipline? Who reacts to criticism? Who needs to be, you know, built up all the time? Who needs to be, you know, broken down sometimes to get the most out of them? And all I realized is there's no bad kids. There's just bad parents, right? There's just yeah. bad parenting. And I have to figure out, just like everyone else in the world is dealing with it, like you have to figure out what makes these people who they are, right? So, mm. you know, shitheads, definitely there's some of them, but it's a product of a shithead environment. And that well has always been the biggest like thing for me is that job taught me that the most important job in the world is parenting. And you are taking someone that knows nothing and teaching them yeah. everything. This also kind of, I mean, we talked about true crime last week with Payne Lindsay and obviously the Kyle Rittenhouse case is still very real. Um, I guess, I, so I agree with you. I mean, parenting is everything. You are a product of your surroundings and, and anyone could be taught, I think, and, and, and guided with the right people around them and the right discipline and accountability. But like, at what point are you a kid? And what point are you an adult, right? We just saw this written house, 17 years old. And that was one of the big topics of discussion. What yeah. point are you a kid? What, I mean, in your takeaway, like what, what age is that? I don't think it's age at all. I mean, Titus O'Neill is more an adult at age eight, facing all the adversity and criticism and bullying and life experiences yeah. than most people someone from a ever. Fortune 500 CEO's kid is at 35 who hasn't had to so work an true. honest day of their life. So, so it's true. not an I age. Mean, it's just a, I think it's a perspective to reality, like what reality is in our society, like perspective to that. And I don't, I'm sorry, but unless you've struggled, I, it's really hard to have a sense of reality. Totally. I, I agree with that. And I think while obviously our system legally defines an adult at a certain age based on certain states, uh, to your point, like the maturity and the wherewithal and everything, just the, the mental makeup and the experiences, it can't be defined in years lived. Here's a question for you. Experiences had. Yeah, Here's let's hear a, it. If, if society wasn't built the way that we know it, yeah. So you didn't go to school from grade kindergarten to grade 12, and then you didn't go to okay. college from 18 to 21, and the drinking age wasn't 21, and the voting age wasn't 18. If none of that existed, then what would you mm -hmm. call an adult? Because everything that we're calling an adult is based off a system that's already been put in place from us, that a number defies us the opportunity to A, move out from your parents' house, B, vote so you have a say in the world that you live in. But if none of those existed, how would we be really saying who's an adult? I mean, Titus is, Titus is a product of a, a rape that happened with someone who was 11 years old, who in our society is not an adult, but that person was still able to have a child, which means they're not an adult, but they can have a child. You know what I mean? So number perspective is, is a product of our environment and our society that we, again, no bad kids, like no bad human, no bad adult, but we're all put in this situation based off their rules. Yeah. And no, that's, I mean, it's a different, definitely a different perspective and in, in looking at just the, the whole structure in general, right? The whole, yeah. or more, not even the structure, the system, right? The system. The system. Like, I, I know this is definitely moving off topic a little bit, but the whole 
idea is, as you're telling me this, I'm, I'm thinking through my head of ages and stuff. The idea that in my head that you can go serve at 18 and you can go die for your country, but you can't crack open a beer is just fucking insane to me. And, and I know that's yeah. like a total detour from like the, the core of the conversation, but you wonder where some of these limitations within our system came to be about how they came about. And you could clearly rewire to see how they did uh, become where they did and when they became what they did. But today, is that still relevant? Yeah, 100%. And and I'm going to transition this into every podcast guest that we've had that's successful. Every single one of them had a very, very, like I said, struggle. And I don't think that you can be an adult or successful at the level that they are without the re- facing the reality of our societal systems as a struggle. So he said, Titus said, and I want your, your take on this. He said, look to be significant instead of successful. And I know that when you were Jason Tardik in your banking days, you had one goal in mind, be successful. Right. And now right. that you got the platform, the opportunity to do, you start a resource restart, sorry, to help to be a resource to totally. others, which is totally. now being significant. Just curious to hear your holistic feelings on the differences and now how you measure success through now a more significant than purely successful um, version of, of. Yeah, I think the that. issue is, David, like to that point, the significant versus successful. I think anyone out there that is chasing strictly success, you have to say, what is that success and why are you chasing it? I think the problem for me, David, is like I was chasing it for many reasons, but I think the biggest reason was because of the image that went with success, Um, right? Respect of it, people looking up to, I guess, like some power with it. So the problem is I was chasing success for the complete wrong reasons. And therefore it was a disaster. So I think you have to define yourself like what is successful. I'll give you a great example of one I just heard about this weekend. So there's a company called FTX and they do uh, crypto trading and they actually just took over the naming rights of Miami Heat. The owner is worth over $20 billion, over $20 billion. So I was asking more about the owner and how he founded it and where he got his money. He's extremely brilliant mathematician. He's just, he's like a genius, but he knows he's a genius. And so his goal in life is to be successful. But to your question, David, why? He wants to make, like if you ask him, apparently what he says is I want to make as much fucking money as I can in this world. He's already worth 22 billion. I want to make as much money as I humanly, humanly can. However, when you look at him, when he's walking around, he wears his new balances, wears a a, a average Mm t-shirt, doesn't really own any assets, like doesn't own like a yacht or a a car or things like that. In fact, I, I believe they said in Japan, like, He has three roommates and his whole mission behind continuing to make as much fucking money as he can so that in his lifetime, while he's on this planet, once he continues to make the money he is, is he wants to give every dollar back. Wow. So he wants to make all these billions and then give it back. So when his time expires, he has systems in place that his wealth will live on forever and the impact that he can have will like change the way the world operates. So he's now chasing success because of the attempt to be as possibly significant yes. as that human could be. And so, and they also do, man, think about the people chasing success. Like I see it in our world. I see it in every world. Like no one lasts a lifetime. Like, so if you're like the most relevant person or like the most successful or like the CEO or something, your time will end. You won't always be the CEO. You won't always be the chairman. You won't always be the host. You won't always be the familiar face. You won't always be the most liked. Like that stuff cycles, but significance doesn't. 
impactful is the word you said impact and that's why he wants to raise all the money or make all the money to impact like for me that's in my own story impactfulness living with kids yeah. and be able to change a bad a quote unquote like a bad kid into a good kid and, and re reroute the the path of his life like where's titus at if that guy didn't give him a chance at the ranch with those kids that's t- right. that's that's impacting someone's life. That's impactful. And the best thing is you impact that one person like you impact Titus. And every single day, Titus is waking up yes. and impacting tens and hundreds and thousands of kids with the work he's doing. Exactly. And what what is more important than that? Nothing. Right? Like literally, like Nothing. we have on average, I talk about this in my book coming out. We have on average like 79 years to live in the United States. So you got 79 years. I know that's a fucking hard thing yeah. to swallow. Okay, if I'm at 33 and on average or 79, right? Quick math tells me I got 46 years on average to live. 46 and I'm gone. On average, if I'm lucky enough. Like, what are you doing in this 46 years? And that's something I think you think about more. I don't know if you think about it. I think about this more as I age. Like the older I get mm-hmm. and the older I see my parents get and the older I see, I'm fortunate to still have two grandparents, grandparents here. You start to realize like, you start to really think about life a little bit more. And as you think about business and the grind and every day I'm trying to work to keep these businesses going and moving faster and making more money. But like then what for what? Like what, you know, it's just like- That's why me and you got to pop out kids because you just talked about how many people Titus gets to impact. Like you raise, you raise a good kid and a good human and a good adult. Like that person right, has like, the ability to impact so many more, which is, which is- at the end of the day, the goal of what we're talking about being significant, impacting the world in a greater way. So if ever, I mean, it's, imagine if the, if our whole world was every single person, in our society approached life the way Titus does, how much better would be as a society? Okay. I have a homework assignment for us okay. and we're going to do this. Yeah, we before I get do. to this homework assignment, you're 20 Ethereum. Where the fuck are they? You got them or no? That's all I want to know. <laughs> It's, it's do thanks- you have your 20 Ethereum? Yes or no? No, it's Thanksgiving you week. Don't I told, have you, to your get, 20 I told you to get, we're recording this at the beginning of, this is my first week off and forever. This, I'm, this, right, I'm getting so to the bottom of it. We had till Thanksgiving. This is technically being recorded after, before Thanksgiving, but it's airing after Thanksgiving. Yes. You have till next week. I want to know where your Ethereum is. The other thing I want you to do is I want you to define what success is to you Done. and what happiness is to you. Love it. I want David's definition of success. Right. I want David's definition of happiness. I am going to do the same. And I want a true, true number that you would associate your life one through 10 of we've done this before. Mm-hmm. I want to check in on it. Your one through 10 happiness scale. Okay. Done. I love this. We're gonna- we're going to get in. Then another thing we're going to do too is we're going to do a year end recap, David, where you're going to, I'm going to do another Jason tells all, and we're going to go through anything and everything you want to know, business and finance related for the year 2021 and goals for 2022. And you better, you better come with the heat. We're bringing the QuickBooks open and we'll open up that book. All right, David, anything else before we wrap up here? No, I think we're good. Good stuff. Guys, thank you for tuning in another episode of Trading Secrets. Please, five stars. Give us comments in those when you give us five stars. Give us any feedback, guests you want, topics you want. I did see a bunch in there wanting real estate. So we are working very hard to get someone in the real estate world. Residential real estate will be our next play. uh, And we'll be talking all about the ins and outs of residential real estate, when to buy, how to buy, uh, mortgages, home equities, etc. So that's coming soon. But thank you guys for listening. Give us five stars. If you ever listen to these and you wish you were on live, or you want some insight from a day trader or an HR executive or anybody in the business space, we have a networking group. It's literally nine bucks a month, nine bucks. That's as much as your damn cup of coffee. Right now you could buy a one-year membership for 75 bucks. 
email us, restart at Jason Tardick if you're interested, and we will get that over to you. And thank you for tuning in to another episode of Trading Secrets. One you can't afford to miss.